A ghost is the soul or spirit of a dead person that appears to the living. Sometimes spirits are just loved ones trying to contact those that are still living. Some of them are demons. Some spirits can move things. Some want to cause harm. Some just want you to leave. Let's dive deep into the stories of those who've experienced something paranormal. Welcome to Ghost Stories by the Eerie Podcast. Hi everybody, this is Noah and you are listening to the Eerie Podcast. So, as you noticed, this is called Ghost Stories. And this is going to be an ongoing series for the Eerie Podcast where we just read ghost stories and talk a little bit about them and, you know, have a little bit of an offset to those more dark things that we talk about. I mean, some of these might get a little dark, but I think it will be a fun way to have something reoccurring and something awesome. So first, let's start out by saying, if you have any ghost stories that you want to send to us, please do. So anyway, I'm doing good. I just finished The Crown, and if you haven't checked that out, please do. Absolutely fantastic. I also jumped right in from that to Harry and Meghan, which I typically don't watch documentaries about that kind of thing, but it was actually very good. And I have a lot of respect now for Meghan and Harry and what they did there. It was pretty good. So check it out, guys. We're not going to talk too much today. I am going to say that we, after this episode is posted, we are going to have another episode. So you guys are going to have a lot of episodes over this next few days, but not next week, but the week after, I am actually going to be going back and redoing a ton of the episodes because I have some time off. So I'm going to be redoing a ton of the episodes that used to have my old host in it. It just wasn't what I would have wanted, and I think I can make it better, and maybe some new information has come out for some of those too. So. I'm going to redo pretty much every episode. So I just wanted to throw out that episodes one through 20 will be redone at some point here. Yeah. So I might be able to salvage a little bit of information from those, but I'm probably going to end up redoing a lot of them. I've recorded so much over the past few days that my throat is actually starting to hurt. At least I hope it's that. (laughs) There has been some sickness going around. So hopefully it's not that, but you never know that time of the year, right? But I hope you all are doing well. I appreciate all the feedback and love. I always appreciate that. And if you have any other feedback, please feel free to email us at info at the eeriepodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. If you have any stories that you want to share on our ghost stories episodes or any other stories, if you have any true crime stories, let us know. I'm down to hear them. All right, so we're going to jump right in. So this first story is called true ghost story and it's posted by someone on reddit in the ghost stories subreddit this is posted by realist hater and i will have that in the description on the show notes as well so go check out the original story so let's jump in when i was in high school my friends and i used to go to black snake road to race each other It was in a very rural area. It had little traffic, 
and it was always very dark. We called it that because of several hairpin turns. However, there was a perfect half mile that was marked by a bridge in one end and train track on the other. One night, after several of us had been racing, I found that I was the last to leave. As I approached the bridge, I saw a girl standing there, dripping wet. I stopped to ask if she was okay, and she responded that her boyfriend missed the bridge and crashed into the water. She said that he was still in the truck. I got out of my car and ran around the side of the bridge and down the embankment. There was no deep river, but just a shallow creek. I saw no evidence of a truck or anything out of the ordinary. Returning to the top of the bridge, I found her standing next to my car, dripping wet and crying. There were no cell phones back then, so I offered to drive her home so we could call the police from there. She accepted and directed me to her home. On the ride, she told me that her name was Sally. Her home was directly across the street from a small church, one that was a couple minutes away from the bridge. As we pulled into the driveway, she asked me to go to the door and get her mother. I knocked at the door of the dark house, feeling a little uneasy. After all, it was after midnight by that point. I knew that I was waking everyone in the house. After a few moments, an older lady answered the door, who I assumed was her grandmother. I told her what had happened and that Sally was upset and wanted her mother to come to the car. That's when this story got even stranger. The lady told me that her daughter Sally had been dead for over 30 years. She drowned when her boyfriend missed the bridge and flipped his truck, trapping her inside. Surprised and not thinking very clearly, I insisted that she come to my car, which she did, slippers, house coat, and all. The passenger side window was rolled down, which Sally had done. My old Malibu had crank windows. They were painted rolled down and I could not reach the handle from the driver's seat. There was a puddle in the passenger seat, but no Sally. The lady asked me to walk across the road to the graveyard next to the church. We did, and she showed me Sally's grave. That incident started a 40-year pursuit of the paranormal for me. I have investigated all over the world since then while serving in the military and my work afterward. Ghosts are real. Can you imagine, guys? <laughs> that would be terrifying. I mean, I think it's cool to like have experienced something so vivid because a lot of experiences are just like kind of a transparent entity that's in your home or just somewhere you are. Like a lot of experiences don't show someone that seems like a living person like that. So strange, but very, very cool story. I feel bad for Sally and her boyfriend. That's a shitty way to die. But I mean, she's always with us, right? <laughs> hey, Sally. I hope you're not here right now. All right. So this next one was posted by Mickey. Mick Kimball, 0664, and the title is Bought My First House and Found Out It Was Haunted. Here we go. I bought my first house in 2003. 
and was over the moon. Shortly after moving in, two of my neighbors began joking with me about the ghost in my house. Well, I thought they were joking, so I just played along, pretending I had seen one, and it was no big deal. Well, as time went on that summer, I met more and more of my neighbors, and they all brought up the same topic. Finally, an elderly woman on the block, who was quite kind and friendly, told me a story after I asked her. I knew she wasn't going to screw with my head, which is why I asked in the first place. Turns out, the previous owner purchased the home and never lived there because she said it was too haunted. Sounds in the night of footsteps, of sobbing, and glimpses of a man sitting in the kitchen covered in blood were some of the things that they said. One of my neighbors helped with the renovations of the house and said that he was putting up drywall when he felt something lift up his dreadlocks. Though I've had paranormal experiences before, it had been years. And by then, I just chalked it up to night terrors. One day, I went to a small neighborhood video store to rent a movie. I had to fill out a form with my demographic data and then my credit card info. The owner of the store looked at the form and said, Oh my god, you live in that house? I asked her what she meant, and she explained that her former employee had committed suicide in that house. She came to the house as soon as she'd heard, but the house had been taped off by police as a potential crime scene. She told me that he had just moved into the house with his partner and called his mom because he wanted to invite her over to meet his partner and come out to her. This was in the early 90s when being gay was a big deal. His mother already knew he was gay because he bought a house with a man and disowned him right over the phone. That same week, he received a letter from an HIV testing center stating that he had tested positive for HIV. This was when HIV was a death sentence. He then sat at the kitchen table, ate a bowl of cereal, and shot himself in the head with a revolver. Since then, she has had multiple paranormal experiences in the store, with videos flying off the shelves and even levitating off shelves. The most I've experienced is sounds at night, sounds of Cheerios being poured into a bowl. And I don't eat cereal and sounds of sobbing in the kitchen. I often awakened to both. I remember my grandmother saying, when the dead come to you, they want something. Perform an act of charity in their name and pray for them. So I did. I sat down at the kitchen table one night, lit a candle, and told him that each night I would recite a novena prayer for him before a lit candle. On the ninth night of the first novena to St. Anthony, who's the patron saint of lost souls, I heard uncontrollable sobbing. I felt a strong presence of grief and despair, the sound of hyperventilated breathing, as though someone could not catch their breath. I sat in the presence of this, knowing it wasn't malignant, but rather a connection of intimacy and compassion 
for which he was in need. For 45 days, I said the novena prayer before a lit candle for his soul and had a mass said in his name. A few times I had awakened to his presence standing over my bed, but knew it was not a malignant presence. This still happens to me from time to time, but less and less frequently. That one was sad. I feel, I think a lot of people know that in the 90s and that HIV was literally, it was killing tons of gay men, but tons of people throughout the world. And now people can live with HIV and live normal lives. But at this time, the medications just weren't invented yet. And it was literally a death sentence. I wish that things didn't happen this way for this spirit, but it was cool to see that this guy recognized this and gave him tribute and like tried to help the ghost. I think that seems really cool. So cheers to Mickey Kimball or Mick Kimball. (laughs) I think that that's so, so awesome. I will have the link for this one in the description. But if I had a ghost that came to me and I felt like it wasn't a malignant spirit, then I would probably do the same. You know, I would, I mean, I probably wouldn't say a prayer because I'm not, I'm not religious, but so, so sad. But cheers to that guy. And can you imagine being in a video store? Throwback to video stores, right? I mean, maybe some of you didn't get to experience those, but I miss those, like, it's a throwback. I miss going to the store, getting a video or a DVD, just bringing it home, watching it, returning it. But now we have Netflix, so it's a little bit easier. Oh, all right. I'm glad I live alone and I started to do this now. All right. So this next one is called My Trip to the Slaughter Yard, a story my mom wouldn't tell me until my 30s. It was posted by user wolf underscore dream on Ghost Stories subreddit. So let me start out by saying I enjoy writing, so this will be long. It is nonfiction, but will hopefully be an interesting read. I also admit that I have absolutely no memory of this experience. I was a little over two years old and just started to walk on my own when this event took place. My mom only told me about the story around three years ago when I was 32 and about to get married. My mother was raised in a very tiny fundamentalist Christian community, had no belief in the paranormal. She believed that our souls sleep until judgment day or something like this. Ergo, there are no ghosts or spirits to haunt houses. Even over 30 years later, She still sounded terrified as she told me this. This woman who always talks way too loud and was literally whispering by the end of it. And she was white as a sheet. I believed her completely and still do. My mom never talks about stuff like this. I'm just glad I can't remember it too. In 1988, my parents had their second child. This was my brother, Victor, 
which is an alias. We were very crowded in our rented flat with two babies. My parents decided to move to a rambling old two-story farmhouse on a seven-acre plot in southern Ohio for more room for the family. It was way out in the sticks and took almost an hour to get to town from there. My mom said the first time I saw the house, I freaked out. I was crying and saying things like, don't like mean house. Mean house, ugly house, don't like. Scary house, mama, don't like. My mom says this behavior was very out of character for me. But I stopped complaining about the house after a few weeks, so she chalked it up to the stress of the move. Now, this house was ramshackle as fuck, and in the middle of nowhere. The kitchen was to the far rear of the house, and until recently, before we moved in, still had a working, ancient, wood-burning cooking stove against the back wall. This had caught the back wall on fire a couple of months before we moved in and caused a lot of damage. A lot of this damage wasn't fixed, so my young, broke parents got a very cheap rental agreement. Gotta love the 80s. On the second floor directly above the kitchen was a locked room. The landlord claimed it had heavy fire damage, but her son, who had done the repairs, claimed the only fire damage was left in the kitchen since it had been the worst and was beyond his skill level to fix. Either way, the landlord was adamant that the room was off limits, and my parents always respected that. I would have looked 100%. I know all this because I heard stories about the crappy farmhouse with the creepy door my whole life. There were pictures of us and around the farmhouse. The locked door was right next to the upstairs landing, so there was no avoiding it. And both my parents have told me it gave them the creeps. A few months after we moved in, my mother and I were in the yard with our Pitbull Doberman mix boss. She was hanging laundry and I was rolling around with the dog. She said that's just as she noticed that everything was way too silent. Boss started going apeshit from surprisingly far away. About 500 yards from the house on the left, there was a small duck pond. Boss was in between the two, running towards mom, then turning and running towards the pond, barking frantically the whole time. My mom saw something thrashing about in the middle of the pond. She took off towards the water full speed. Boss beat her there and drug me out of the water himself. Thank you, pupper. Love you. Although my mom was confused on how I got so far so fast and how I got into the center of the pond since it was over my head and I couldn't swim, she figured she underestimated me and brought in the baby gates and playpens. I was to be contained from now on. A few weeks later, she was cooking downstairs. Boss was outside. Victor asleep in his crib. And I was in my playpen in my room upstairs. I also had a gate on my door and one at the top of the stairs. The stairs ran up from the side of the middle kitchen. So my mom said she could listen for us crying, fussing while she was cooking. 
My mom said no longer than 15 minutes after the last time she looked in on us kids, boss started going crazy again in the yard. She runs up to check on us. Victor's still sleeping. Every baby gate is shut and locked, but I'm not in my room. A frenzied search reveals I'm not in the house at all. A sudden image of boss saving me from drowning causes my mom to rush outside to see what he's trying to tell her this time. She said he was running in circles around the yard, barking uncontrollably. When she got outside, he took off towards the right, away from the pond. He would run ahead, turn around, and bark at my mother, and wait for her to catch up for a little before racing off again. He ended up leading her almost a mile and a half out onto a dirt road that separated our property from our neighbors. He led her to a thick stand of trees on our neighbor's side of the rocky drive. She said what hit her first was the foul stench of advanced decay. She plowed into the trees with her heart in her throat and her stomach full of ice. She said she noticed many piles of corrugated tin, tarps, tires, and other debris. The miasma was emanating most strongly from these junkyard Karens. Peeking under a sheet of tin, she discovered the extremely decomposed corpse of a butchered cow. As she headed deeper into the thicket, where the tree cover was denser, she said less care was taken to cover the remains. Grizzly pieces of bones and rotted chunks of bovine littered the area. Apparently, our neighbor, in an effort to cheat his taxes, had been illegally slaughtering cattle and hiding the remains in at least one of a few thick stands of trees around. She found me in the dead center of this thicket, just standing there, looking around like I was confused, surrounded by carnage. She said I didn't seem scared or anything, just standing. She rushed over to me and after ascertaining that I wasn't injured, began questioning me on why I was here, how I got there. Keep in mind that although my mother said I started speaking very young, I still didn't have much of a vocabulary. She said I told her, with that serious look only small children can give, that the children brought me here. Shatting her pants at the thought that anyone, even children, could walk right past her through the kitchen, get me from upstairs and walk right back past her on the way down the stairs and out with me. She demanded to know what children and where the hell they are now. I looked at her dead serious and told her the ones that live with us in the room at the top of the stairs and that I didn't see them anymore. After a moment of stunned silence, she started asking all kinds of questions about these children. However, she told me that I refused to say anything else. She said as long as she questioned me about what happened, I would just stand there staring at her with a serious expression and my mouth closed. She said this same pattern held true every time she brought it up to me, so she was always left wondering and immediately began hounding my dad about moving closer to town. 
While the incident with me getting to the pond was highly unlikely, it was at least remotely possible. My mother is adamant that me being in a hidden slaughter yard that day was flat impossible. She says there's no way I could have even known it was out there, much less have the ability to open and relock baby gates, get downstairs, get past her, and add up to almost two miles down the road and in this place in under 15 minutes. I was only two, and as slow and clumsy as most toddlers are, as I said, she is still shaken by it after 30 years. Personally, I have no idea what happened that day. I've thought about hypnosis, but haven't yet decided if I really want to remember. Maybe it's better to let it be a mystery? Because whatever the fuck those things were, I really don't think that they were children. That one was so good and so creepy. Kudos to you, Wolf Dream. Like, so, so good. Fucking loved it. Yeah, no, I don't think those were children either, dude. Like, freaking creepy. So... That was the last one. Tell me, guys, what do you think of this type of episode? Do you like this, or is it a little too creepy for you? Let me know. I like telling ghost stories and stories in general, so if this isn't your cup of tea, maybe send a story in. I would love to do some true crime stories as well, but yeah, send me your stuff, and I will absolutely share it if I can. Yeah, so that's it. We will have another episode out very soon yet again. And then we have a special episode with a special guest coming at the end of this week or at the end of next week, right before Christmas, whatever that is. My idea of time is just so much together. I can't wait to have a little bit of time off. But yeah, I hope you guys love this story or these stories. Make sure to check out our Instagram and our Facebook, our Instagram is Instagram.com slash the eerie podcast. Our Facebook is the same, Facebook.com slash the eerie podcast. And our website is the eeriepodcast.com. If you want to send us a story, send it to info at the eeriepodcast.com. I really want to do just like a like a listener story episode. So I still I had a couple of stories sent in, but I'm not, and this is not me trying to be rude at all. It was just like, they were just like, oh, I was haunted. Okay, well, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell a story. I can't do a whole episode about uh, two sentences. So if you send me more, anyone who sent me them so far, if you send me another version of that with a little more information, I would love to share it. I really, really would. But yeah. All right, guys, I will see you very soon. And let me know what you thought about this. All right. Bye. Ghost coming to eat me. Taking me to the park. All the carnage. Starting to get dark. Ooh, ghosties.